Hi, this is Michael Learned, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Night, Mama. Night, Ben. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy. Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. What's going on? I was asleep. What's everybody doing? Good night, Good night Jim Bob. <laughs> <laughs> At Robertson with a reminder that Michelle Danner and Norma Maldonado will join us in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we are bringing you highlights of the special roundtable discussion moderated by Leonard Malton and featuring the cast of the Waltons that took place just before Thanksgiving at the Hollywood Museum that celebrated both the 50th anniversary of the premiere of the Waltons television series on CBS and the launch of the new Waltons exhibit at the Hollywood Museum that features original costumes, props from the set, cast, loan, collectibles, and a whole lot more. The Waltons exhibit now on display at the Hollywood Museum, 1660 North Highland Avenue in the historic Max Factor Building in Hollywood, California. For tickets and more information, thehollywoodmuseum.com. Earlier, we heard from Richard Thomas, Michael Learned, and Cammie Kotler. The next voice you'll hear will be that of Leonard Malton in conversation with Judy Norton. Judy, you have shown yourself to be still behind the camera or on the other side of the curtain in recent years. Uh, what made you confident that you could do that? I think it was the years I spent having the privilege to read and bring to life scripts by some of the most talented writers in Hollywood. Um, in our early seasons, we just had masters, and it was, I didn't have a lot of experience with what a bad script was, which was very fortunate. <laughs> um, so in terms of writing, I took from what I had experienced. And when you take wonderful words and then you have an opportunity to bring them to life and you feel those rhythms and things like that, uh, we were fortunate that I, we created a very real family and we dealt with real situations, so that was that was just subconsciously something that became part of who I was. And then I've always been very organized and, and been able to think you know, I could walk and chew gum and hit marks and deal with props and all the kinds of things that we had to do all the time at dinner scenes and everywhere else. Uh, so I think all those kind of directing skills were also sort of percolating in there, but I don't know that I thought about it or thought, it wasn't a conscious decision, it was something, an opportunity came along where I was at a theater where I was asked to write and direct and I went, yeah, sure. And theater is a wonderful training ground as a writer and director because you can watch the process during rehearsals and you can say, oh, well, that's not working and you can change it. And I also, I worked with a commercial dinner theater for eight years, we did all original material and we lived and died by audience responses. So we would, our producers were not in the entertainment industry, and they had comment cards on the tables. And at the end of every show, the audience got to rate the service, the food, and the show. <laughs> and if our percentage on the show went below 90% as directors and writers, we got a call. Oh, the audience, the numbers are slipping, and we would have to come in and fix it. So that process, I think was, was <laughs> it was the trial by fire, but you know, it was also a wonderful place to make mistakes and learn and grow. And 
see, you know, I'd sit in the audience and go, oh, I wrote that and they're laughing. I was so thrilled. <laughs> and so I had, you know, 40, 50 productions of doing that um, to sort of start trying to hone skills. So sometimes you don't know what you can do until you're thrown into the fire or the lake and you have to swim. And, and I found I loved it. And you swam successfully. Thank you. Uh, Michael, this TV show made you, no exaggeration, world famous. That's, that's the impact that the Waltons had over nine years and then the reunions to follow. Did you find that a help or a hindrance in get, getting other parts? Obviously you didn't. I mean, I'm looking at your, your resume. It's pretty packed. But oh, that's why. <laughs> no. But I wonder, I wonder did, did you ever hear the words, uh, oh, no, she's my Walton. We, 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 we can't, we can't. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and I don't mind. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't stop me doing theater. Mm -hmm. If anything, it enhanced um, my theater projects. Mm -hmm. um, not that I had the projects, but, you know, people hired me because mm -hmm. I had a name from the Walton. So it was a gift in my life. It came at a time when... I was in a lot of trouble in many ways, emotionally, and I was going through a divorce. It was a really bad time, and I, I, I acquired a whole new family. It was, it was a gift from God, and that's how I feel about it. What a wonderful way to feel. You're listening to Leonard Malton in conversation with seven of the original cast members of the Waltons as part of a special roundtable discussion that took place at the Hollywood Museum as part of the launch of the new Waltons exhibit at the Hollywood Museum that features original costumes, props, cast loan collectibles, and a whole lot more of the Waltons exhibit now on display at the Hollywood Museum. Tickets and more information, thehollywoodmuseum.com. The next voice you'll hear will be moderator Leonard Malton in conversation with Eric Scott. Eric, tell us about the, the, the first thing you did after the show went off the air. <laughs> I'll be doing something soon. <laughs> first of all, uh, just to, to walk away for a moment, Judy said something about the scripts and the master writers that we had, which we did have great writers. However, these two over here, Eric Scott is pointing to Michael Learned and Richard Thomas. Worked so hard, and Ralph. Ralph, of course, being Ralph Waite. Making the scripts so that they were tailored to us. And, and they were great scripts to begin with, and they only improved on them. And if you watch the shows, and people always talk about the first five or six years, that was the amount of work they were putting in behind the scenes that made it so that when we got the script, it was a perfect script. And, and we, I thank you too, because I know that they were out there, we'd go out to lunch and have fun, but they were working on the readings and stuff and on lunch times and stuff, I appreciate that. As far as after the show, um, I did, you know, I, I started the show to make money. Um, I recognized I, I, I did not have the finances in my household of growing up that was gonna allow me to go to college and everything else. So at the age of seven, I decided I'm gonna start acting. Uh, like Richard, I had a very limited <laughs> skill set at that point. Uh, people would come up to my mom and say, boy, he should be a Norman Rockwell painting because I was a cute little kid with red hair. So one of the first jobs I got was Norman Rockwell's America, which was a Hallmark Hall of Fame with Jonathan Winters, and we brought 
to light some of these paintings, which were, I was a, a little kid and I got my hair shaved for it and that was not something I wanted to do at that age, but I did it because the money was good. Uh, when, when the show finished, I had the same thing. Well, if I got a series right away, I would go right into that for the financial reasons. But um, it didn't happen that way. So I, I remember doing uh, like three commercials and two episodics, uh, a Fall Guy and uh, a Dr. Pepper commercial and a couple things. And I remember talking to some, some actors that said, hey, that's a good year. You did 15 days. And, and I said, I, I'm 23. I can't do that. So that's when I started driving for a messenger company and um, took over in the sales of that and ended up buying the company about 20 years ago. So it was, for me, it was, thank you. Um, I just, I never got into it from the art form of it. Um, <laughs> they could attest to that. <laughs> um, but but I, I got a great family out of it, so it was a win-win. I want to say something, you know, when I, uh, uh, by the end of the day, I wanted to be home with my own kids, quite frankly, and I was tired and grumpy, and Eric always had a way of making me laugh, yep. and uh, laugh sometimes to the point of crying with my head on the kitchen yep. table, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day. And I thank you for that, Eric. It really, it really made that. a big difference. John Walmsley participated in the roundtable discussion via Zoom. John, I'm going to address you uh, from uh, remote here, from our stage. You pursued a career in music. Tell us how did that come about? Music was my first love. I started playing guitar at, uh, at eight years old and uh, doing live shows shortly after that. And that actually gave me the opportunity to uh, audition for television. And I thought, uh, you know, being an eight, ten-year-old musician, um, you know, the Beatles did movies and television. Elvis did movies. I thought, why not? So uh, I went for it, and I, I, I'd been um, acting professionally for about five years before the Waltons came along. Was that an open call that you went on? No, it wasn't an open call. Um, my mom picked me up from school. I was, in, um, I was a senior, uh, sorry, a sophomore in high school at the time. Mom picked me up, and she said, uh, we're going to CBS. It's a, a television film, which was a new medium at that time, and uh, they're doing a, a Christmas special about a family in Virginia uh, during the Depression, and uh, they want a red-haired boy with freckles who plays the harmonica. So she had brought my harmonica along, and I went to CBS and uh, played harmonica and you know, read, read the two lines I had, and uh, was lucky enough to get the part. I don't know if, how many folks know this, but John is also the voice of Christopher Robin in the Winnie the Pooh yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is my first job? <laughs> that is your second bid for immortality. <laughs> ah. those, those films will be around as long as there's uh, children and films to, to show to them. You're listening to Leonard Malton in conversation with seven of the original cast members of the Waltons as part of a special roundtable discussion that took place just before Thanksgiving at the Hollywood Museum. We'll play more highlights of the Waltons roundtable at the end of our second hour. In the meantime, the Waltons exhibit now on display at the Hollywood Museum, 1660 North Highland Avenue in Hollywood, California. For tickets and more information, thehollywoodmuseum.com. Actress and director Michelle 
Danner will join us when we come back. Then we will play the first two-part interview with actress Norma Maldonado. All that and more when we come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.